I got a psychopath for you can write about. Did you see this thing in the paper the other day about those two mafia guys who got whacked? This serial killer will only kill mid to high-ranking members of the Italian-American organized crime syndicate. Or the Yakuza. It's a great fucking psychopath, really. Do you think? A serial killer who will only kill mid to high-ranking members of the Italian-American syndicate. Or the Yakuza. Yakuza. I'll keep it the mafia says doing Jap dialogue. Good idea. Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something we feel nostalgic for, we then revisit and review it to find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020, or if we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses. I'm your host, Connor O'Keen, and I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host Michael Gerbaz. Michael, how are you? No, no, don't stop, Connor. You were doing a that was a good intro. What what happened next? Tell me what happened next in the intro. <laughs> And then the, then the co-host took a... Took his cravat took a, off. Took a razor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week on the show, we are going to be looking back at the 2012 satirical black comedy, uh, dramedy, maybe, I don't know, Seven Psychopaths, directed, written and co-produced by Martin McDonough, starring Colin Farrell, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson and Christopher Walken. A struggling screenwriter inadvertently becomes entangled in the Los Angeles criminal underworld after his oddball friend kidnaps a gangster's beloved Shih Tzu, and hilarity ensues. It's one of them. Some some dark hilarity ensues. Very very dark hilarity. So this is a movie that I have been excited to hit up in the wake of. Martin McDonough's most recent film coming out, Banshees of Inisherin, mm-hmm. uh, which I. For fucking spoilers for the blind spot this month, but I have seen it twice in cinemas and Whoa. I'm really quite enamored with it. Uh, it. And it made me go back and rewatch In Bruges. Um, I haven't got around to rewatching Three Billboards yet, but uh, I was keen to hit this one up. And I thought, what what better uh, occasion than for the podcast? It's a, it's a good one. I Perfect. feel like it's in keeping with hitting up. Um, you know, uh, we did The Abyss, uh, James Cameron's kind of you know, a yep. lesser known or, or less often touted James Cameron film. Uh, we did The Game, um, the the lesser, less touted David Fincher film. And then, yeah, Seven Psychopaths, which is a movie that I rented the day it came out on DVD. Uh, I was working at Blockbuster at the time and, and like, was, was there, was working that shift when we got those DVDs and I rented it straight away. Uh, and was really excited to watch it. Remember liking it well enough, but not ever going back to it. And I kind of wanted to, same as the game, rewatch this and go, is there a reason I didn't go back to this? Is there a reason that on the the recent episode of um, uh, the Team Deacons, the Roger Deacons podcast, uh, they've got an interview with Martin McDonough and you know, where it's got like in the, the episode description, it's got parentheses, you know, Martin McDonough, parentheses, in Bruges, Three billboards, Banshees of Inisherin, end parentheses. No mention of second, Seven Psychopaths. Oh, okay, I know. And I thought, is that telling? Let's find out. I'm keen yeah, to talk about this with you. So it, it, what, what's your history with this movie? Do you have any history with this movie? I do have history with this movie. wouldn't call it a beef, but a history. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I had seen in Bruges. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then I heard that this was this next guy's film coming out after in Bruges. Uh, mm. There was a little bit of controversy around the film. It got, like, denied classification in Australia, so it didn't get, like, a cinema release. Oh, okay. So you were telling me this. 
Why did he get denied classification? I don't know the specifics, whether it was just something around, like, the the, the level of violence. Okay. And alcohol, drug abuse kind of ideas of things. Something just uh, in that way that uh, if you enjoyed playing video games in the 2000s, that was a very controversial era for games getting... There would be, like, one little thing in a video game that would... Be like, up, oh, bump, nah, this game got, like, cancelled or it had to get censored in Australia because just whatever rating classification laws we have are very strict around a couple of uh, certain kinds of themes. And I think uh-huh. this was, um, it happens far less with films, but I think that this was one of those films that it set them off by just the, some sort of theme that it is, it is quite a dark film. Yeah, sure. Uh, and some like, nah. some combination of, of ideas and... Yeah, uh, scenes just made them go. No, we can't have that. Well, that seems uh, crazy. Crazy. I mean, that that's that's obviously fucking crazy. But also, I'm like, what? <laughs> what, what scene? Doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, and so I saw it on DVD, like yourself, and was very keen to mm-hmm. see it. And from the, I've only watched In Bruges once, and I've only watched Seven Psychopaths once. Mm-hmm. I remember preferring seven psychopaths okay to in bruges it has stood up in my mind since then not going back and watching it as just like yeah that was a really fun cool dark twisted movie that i really enjoyed i was unaware until you brought it up that uh i was aware of banshees of inishiran being his next film because that was Mm -hmm. very uh there's a lot of like in Bruges, I feel like similarities with like oh, the mean, Irishness of the, it and, and, and the, the, that just in the casting alone, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the casting that was much more apparent from the trailer that it was like, oh, yep, this is the in Bruges guy. Yeah, it's in Bruges. I was not aware at all that Three Billboards was from him. Ah, okay. Uh, so have you seen Three was, Billboards? I haven't seen it yet. It's been on ah, my list okay. since it was okay. you know nomi- oh, nominated man. and won Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that I was like, yeah, I've got to fucking get around to seeing it because I just in general try and see every movie that wins Best Picture because, you know, normally That's they're going to be, be doing, gotta be doing something, right? They're going to be pretty decent, even if they're just more <laughs> of a cr- crowd pleaser of a good movie. They're still a good movie. Yeah, so that surprised me. I was aware of that movie getting really, really high praise, but I didn't hear it being attached to the like from In Bruges comes three billboards. And that yeah. seemed just from the little I do know about it, it's a bit more... This, this is set in America as well, but it felt like that one was much more like, I don't know, there's something more about the culture of America in that that seemed stronger than in this. This very much feels like a foreigner's perspective on America yeah, coming yes. through in the main character being Irish. Yeah. That you're getting that sort of glimpse into, yeah, like America's fucked up just like how the rest of the world sees it and a lot of the Americans inside of that don't see some of those things as as fucked up as they maybe are sort of thing. Mm. But I can see now why surely the the first movie that's the breakout success in Bruges is always brought up uh, in the conversation when they're talking about this director. But then also, of course, if you're going to win Best Picture at the Oscars, of course Three Billboards is going to outshine Seven Psychopaths when people bring it up in conversations or when when you've only got so much room on the poster or in the trailer, you're going to pick the the top ones. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
But in all all of that being said, I still love this movie when I came back to it. I still yep. really fucking enjoyed it. Okay, do you you said you thought uh ha- more more highly of this than you did in Bruges uh when you first saw them both? Do you still feel that way? Do you still feel like I still feel that way having not gone back to Imbruge a second time okay. like I have right. Seven Psychopaths. So Okay. All right. Maybe it's just the maybe it's not purely me going like this is objectively a better movie and just the setting and the characters and everything mm. that is just more to my preference. Yeah, sure, sure. It could just be that that I might go back and watch Imbruge and go, oh no, there's actually yeah. Much more just- complex, in-depth, whatever mm. is ha- happening, but I still prefer watching Seven Psychopaths as an enjoyable sure. viewing experience. Yeah, as a romp. It is a bit of a romp. It's a bit of a romp. I'm going to I'm gonna kind of stand opposite you in the aisle a little bit here Ooh. because having re-watched In Bruges uh, on the back of watching Banshees and having only watched In Bruges for the first time last year, I think I talked about it on the um, yeah, the that's right. spot yeah. last yeah. year or the year before. And so this being my first Martin McDonough movie initially, I think this is probably my least favourite of his movies. Okay. Watching it now and comparing it to the rest of his uh, catalogue, kind of loving so much about the rest of his catalogue in terms of the, the tone and the way he manages to combine gut-busting hilarity and real fucking sadness mm-hmm. in a way that's like it's like the 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 Cohen's on crack sure like, yeah. i don't know i i can't think of a better way to describe it a more like that's a fucking fucking awful analogy but you know what i mean they take yeah. that kind of both the Cohen's and Martin McDonough i think have that kind of understanding of that that life is inherently absurd and fucking batty and it's a daft prospect yeah this being alive thing, but that there is beauty and absurdity and hilarity and some wonderful shit in amongst that. And it's kind of, you know, it's yin and yang. It's, it's, I'm doing a kind of a job explaining why I like you know, these movies, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. And I think Martin McDonough has this British and very fucking Irish sensibility that he brings to it. It's almost like a, like a bit of a mean streak, but not mean spirited. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Like his characters are kind of all a little bit unpalatable and I love that. Yeah. It makes them, even though the dialogue might be you know kind of heightened and stuff, it makes them far more believable than if they were just nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of something that he he plays with in, in Banshees to really great effect. And I think plays with in, in, in Bruce to wonderful effect. I think it's something that he and Francis McDormand play to play with, excuse me, in three billboards to, you know, uh, award-winning effect, and it's something that is not nailed as well in this. In mm-hmm. Seven Psychopaths, it feels like it's him maybe having too much fun, like so much fun that he forgets to have much of a point. Okay. That's that's how I kind of feel about it. Like, I say that's fair. I think f- from my perspective of not remembering in Bruges like that well mm. and not seeing the others, the vibe I get here is it's a little bit more like a cross between some some kind of like Kevin Smith isms of dialogue uh almost mm. in the in the opening scene of the guys talking about you know shooting an eyeball and stuff yeah, it's got that kind yeah. of feels Tarantino Tarantino y Kevin Smith there's like a bit of like you know snappiness to it but it's sort of heightened and over the top it's 
overall it's got a bit more of like an exploitation-y kind of violent bent yeah, to the movie yeah. than what his other like that seem a little bit more well, thoughtful. Yeah, this this feels like him trying to do a bit of a Tarantino rather than just doing him, which is what I think his other movies feel. Sure. More okay. Like. That's fair. Um, I think his other movies have a have a way of like, I don't know, there's some core sadness and uh sympathy for humanity in his movies and I don't get that in this. Yeah. Like really like it, it's it's there in small doses, it's there in in parts, but it's not like the beating heart of the thing. Yeah. Having said that, it's 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 like um I have this more with uh I mean we talked about this with with the game. If if the game was some other director's first movie, shit, you'd be like, oh my god, he's coming out of the gate swinging with this one. But because it's David Fincher and he's got this other catalog to to compare it to, mm. you go, eh, you know, bit of a snoozer. Yeah, sure. I, I feel like this is this is his this is absolutely his game. This is absolutely his the abyss. In terms of like, it's it's a still a very fucking good movie, still really fucking entertaining, and I'm still really excited. That's what to talk I was going to ask. You. That do you but feel yeah. like it's a more of the abyss side of this is a really excellent movie that probably a lot of people don't know as well, but it's still like excellent on its own merit sort of thing compared yeah, to yeah. the game where you go, oh, it's good to see Fincher doing his thing for like most of it, but then there's like a disconnect where this doesn't. Where it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, sure. No, there's. There, I don't think there's a disconnect in this. I think it's consistently. I think it probably pulls off what it sets out to do, but I enjoy what it sets out to do less than yeah, you know, sure. In Bruges and, and the rest. Yeah, because I know? guess like because again, I'm just I'm just trying to figure things out without me having the context of the other ones. But yeah. would you say that yes, you prefer the kind of innate like sadness that is in those ones? and find them more effective, but would you feel that what's absent in this film that is in those can't really exist in this movie without changing the entire, like, premise and plot and script of this movie? Do you think it could oh, be injected that question. way, or do you think it's like, oh, if we're having, like, a big fun romp of a Tarantino exploitation yeah, violent fest yeah. with funny dream sequence yeah. fantasies, there's not really a place... For to have the, both the of those stuff, things yeah. exist, maybe I haven't thought of it in in that way. You might be right because uh, I think, yeah, maybe this movie is just what it what it uh, had to be. It's it feels like this guy and listening to him talking in interviews and stuff about film. He's clearly a dude who who uh, loves movies, and if you look at his career, he started out in uh, writing uh, plays for theater because he tried to write some screenplays and thought, well, these are shit, but I want to keep, I want to get better at this, so I'm just going to write for, I'll, I'll write plays instead and try to make them as cinematic as I can. And then at the age of like 34 or something, he makes the short film Six Shooter, and then on the back of that makes Imbruge and so on and so forth. And I think on this coming out on the back of Imbruge, I think this is him going like, fuck, I'm making movies. Like, I'm, I'm going to make this like goofy, meta, uh, like throw everything at the fucking wall, balls to the wall romp. And and have some fun with it, and that maybe in having all of that fun, it it like he forgot to have a bit of the substance that that was probably more present in in his other work where it wasn't just about having fun. Yeah, I don't know. Calling all psychopaths! 
Are you mental or deranged? Maybe you've recently been hospitalized, but are now okay. Or maybe the world just doesn't understand you. Yeah, right. Well, I'm writing a screenplay with my friend called The Seven Psychopaths. And if your story is crazy or quirky enough, we might use it for our movie. So please call Billy Pickle on 310-555-0158. Another, like, perspective difference is funny between us because I'm coming into this not having the 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 so-called substance from the other movies so i'm watching it and i'm going wow this is really excellent i really like th- the ability for there to be some really truly fucked up and twisted moments and sad moments mm. as well as it being a real fucking romp and a, yeah. and hilarity at at points and when i watch this movie i do see that kind of uh that that exploration of like oh why are we here what like what is humanity all of those sorts of things right and it, it's funny that it's like i guess it's like it's maybe here in some ways but not as it's not as evident as in these other movies that by comparison it seems absent to yeah to you and it might just be a me thing like it could could just be a me thing it just didn't give me the the same mm. uh comforting sense of like melancholia that his other movies do yeah, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm. I'm getting more and more convinced that I need to get off my ass and see three billboards oh, and Banshee and because yeah, of yeah. that, that it's like, yeah, no, I'm missing out on even even more than what I thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But let's let's talk about this movie and what it is because what it is 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 still something really fucking fun. Um, and you're right. It's still it still has plenty of like really uh dark stuff. I love that that. He will let you think that you're watching a comedy and then shock you with something really, you know, horrible and heartbreaking mm. uh, and then let it play out as a bit of a, a, as a drama for a moment and then blindside you with with a line or something that's that's just, you know, knocks you off your feet funny. Yeah, I love that quality. And like you said before, like it gives it a little bit more of a, I don't know, a believability to it, even though it is like a heightened, strange throw everything at the wall kind of romp. Mm hmm. This is a this movie is a weird one because it's one that I watched and I absolutely had a great time watching it. I was like, that was excellent. And then I was immediately found the task of doing it for an episode daunting for this podcast. Really? Okay. It's kind of, maybe kind of in a way similar to when we were talking about doing uh, Inglorious Bastards as our first Tarantino film. Yeah, okay. There seems to be again, even even though by comparison of what you're talking about, the uh, kind of you know uh, philosophy of life and everything that's in this that sort of makes you question things is maybe piss poor, poor by comparison. I still mm. see it in this movie and go, fuck, I don't think I'm, I don't have <laughs> the vocabulary to. Yeah, okay. To even like it, it found it hard to process to go like I love this. There's a lot of like surface level things that I can really pinpoint and go, of course I would love it because of these surface level things. Yeah. But it's the stuff that's a little bit deeper, even if it is not to the depths of his other work, mm. I still go, fuck, I don't know how to rationalize that in my head and explain it or anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, it's all right. I think we're both going to be out of our depth talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Dumb, 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 dumb opinions only. Well, you say dumb, dumb opinions. I was going to say- what better to do when we are creatively bankrupt ourselves, but to quote somebody else. <laughs> and so it was It was a great, uh, I, I felt so lucky because 
we were going to record this episode a couple of days earlier and you're like, oh, does this day work instead? And they go, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I'm, I was actually happy with postponing it because I was like, I need to fucking think on this more. I need to do some soul searching because yeah, I've got fucking yeah. nothing to bring to the table here except they're like, yeah. I liked it. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I came across an unrelated uh, speech made by the actor Mark Strong. So he's not in the film. But no, okay, but I yeah, saw I know him. Mark Strong, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a British actor. You know, he's in the Kingsman f- films and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's great. And he was, this speech was him accepting an award for a play that he was in. And I was like, hey, this is just what he said just spoke to me about like, yes, this is, this is the essence of this movie, okay. even though, you know, it's sort of random and out of place. Although maybe slightly appropriate since he's talking about theatre and Martin McDonald started as a, as a theatre yep. uh, writer. So he's accepting this speech. I'm not sure what play it's for, which I'm, I'm sorry for, but he says, a 12-year-old boy asked me, what was the purpose of theatre? I've never been in a production that people wanted to talk about more. All the people that came backstage all wanted to discuss what the characters were doing on stage, what they were doing, why they were doing it, whether they agreed with them, how they felt about what they were doing, who they trusted. And that made me realise that thousands of years have gone by and we still have this thing called live theatre. And the reason is that we need to be able to compare ourselves to what we see up there. Judge ourselves as human beings, decide what's right, what's wrong, and why we're here. And that's the point of theatre. And I kind of heard that and I went like, I feel like there is kind of that philosophy here in Seven Psychopaths. Even though it's this weird heightened thing because... It's about a bunch of psychopaths, so it's not really putting a mirror up to yourself in a way of anything that you're used to dealing Mm. with in terms of those situations. But there's something there that in a really extreme, exaggerated way, you're watching these characters and because they're psychopaths, you don't always know what like their motives are like the reason for it, because, you know, if they don't have empathy about this or that. Yeah. You go like, oh, what are they capable for? What's the actual motive? Are they, ah. they're, they're able to hide this motive behind a mask of empathy so well. Yeah, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? And mm. I'm sitting there judging it and going, what's right? What's wrong? And all that sort of thing. Yeah. So that really spoke to me. And I went, yeah, cool. There is something that this movie is kind of offering and stuff, even though I can't really sit there and pinpoint and go, oh, the point of this movie is this. Okay. It's uh, it's that kind of thing that it's like it gets you thinking and it's the conversation starter of, you know, it, it throws you a bunch of questions and you go, oh, is this okay. the point? And it goes, I don't know. Like it's yeah, one of those okay. projects where to have the author like state their authorial intent in such mm. a, you know, an absolute definitive way would mm. be a detriment because then you can't, give it to a bunch of different people and go, oh, I found this character really interesting and I got this piece of humanity from them. Even though they're committing these awful atrocities or they're doing some terrible thing, I still see this, yeah, this like tiny little glimpse of humanity there that I still empathise with, even though I disagree with ultimately, you know, what they're doing sort of thing. Yeah, sure. Okay, so like where do you see that in this this movie? Where do you, like, is there a scene that- that um, you get that sort of stuff from because I think like what you're talking about, I get in spades from in Bruges and Banshees, and uh, I haven't rewatched Three Billboards, but it's something I remember vividly about yeah, watching yeah, yeah. that movie, especially in the cinema. It's something that 
I kind of don't get here and it's it's all gags or, or like it's far more gag heavy. It's far more yeah, like quippy yeah, sure. dialogue and just kind of stylish, you know, shootouts and it's it's fun. It's play. There's no moment I, I in in um uh in Bruges there are plenty of you know moments that I go I, I there's like a line or exchange between characters and it's like I, I, I heave a sigh of relief because I go yes that mm-hmm. the, the there's a bit where um and I, I mean we might end up doing an in Bruges episode at some point but I will just say there's a, a scene where Brennan Gleeson's character is talking to Ray Fine's character uh, Gleeson's character is saying about Colin Farrell's character that he's sent on his way and he's he's not going to kill him because he he's he's suicidal and he's got no chance to change and da 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 um and he says to Ray Fiennes like you know the boy's suicidal and Ray Fiennes goes so what you're suicidal I'm suicidal we're all fucking suicidal just don't fucking go on about it. he's like that that exchange of like I don't know that that um not because that's right but just because like I've had that thought. Where like uh, uh, you f- you feel really like empathetic for y- your friends and your family and and you know you feel a degree of um, sympathy and and you know love for yourself, but occasionally someone will just fucking carry on in a way that you go, come on, pack it in, like we're all fucking eating a shit sandwich out here, man. And I don't I don't really get anything like that from this movie. And there are much nicer ideas in In Bruges that I also get some warmth from, and there's no shortage of them in in um, Banshees, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I don't get really much, if if any, of that from from this movie. It's aside from the the last sequence, which I like, oh, the yeah. last sequence, the 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 kind of um, the voicemail from Hans yeah, yeah. describing the what what could be going on with the Buddhist psychopath, mm. or the sorry, the Viet- the Vietnam psychopath. I like that whole sequence, and that that has some yeah. uh, poetry to it, and is quite nice. But I still don't know ultimately what it's trying to say, <laughs> you know. He shuts his eyes. Then he opens them again. He ain't Phoenix anymore. He's sitting in the middle of a street in Saigon circa 1963 in the orange robes of his Buddhist daughter. And he's drenched himself in gasoline. And as he finally manages to push the thoughts of anger and hate out of his gentle mind. A fellow monk pleads with him one final time. <laughs> and all angry thoughts finally dispelled. The first monk ever to burn himself to death to protest the war whispers. It might. It might. He must imagine. And I'm not sure it's trying to say anything. I think it's just trying to be stylish and uh, cinematic in a way that perhaps he thought, well, fuck, I better get all this cinematic (laughs) shit out in one go because I might never get to do this again. Yeah, I guess you're like, that's probably the strongest example that I would that I would pick from as well. Yeah. And with good reason. It's really, really fucking well done. Yeah. And it's hard to say, like, yeah, was that on purpose and there was a point or was it just all style and then we as a viewer go, hey, this is what I I see and I associate all of that meaning with whether that meaning was there or not. Like that can, you mm. know, there's fucking ridiculous amounts of like literature written about that whole concept. Um, mm. But yeah, probably again, this is the diet version 
of What's that effect that he movies, has in his yeah. other movies and yeah. how I'm getting it here is probably probably there is a lot of like me yeah, thinking about yeah. that and it's yeah. I think it's little things that are peppered throughout that kind of remind me of that and mm-hmm. then probably the largest example is that end sequence which yeah. what, what I get from that is what it's trying to say is it's kind of that like how do you reconcile wanting to have a more you know peaceful existence that's you know in synergy with the world when there's so much violence and in your own nature or in the world's nature and how do mm. you how do you reconcile that mm. it's it's literally yeah, sure. him going it's like yeah, it's very meta because they're talking about writing a script and the script the name of the script is the name of the film that they're in and all that yeah, jazz yeah. and the 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 script writer in the movie Colin Farrell is like adamant that he doesn't want this movie to just devolve into he wants to make the Seven Psychopaths movie but he doesn't want it to devolve into yeah. you know shootouts and and violence pointless violence he wants it to be this thoughtful drama thing yeah yeah and the movie itself like as we're watching is kind of battling with itself to not devolve into mindless violence but then occasionally doing so gleefully yeah it's 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 a real it's a real fucking mess but a very very entertaining enjoyable mess yeah but then as you bring that up i guess part of that meta quality of uh this almost you could take it as like a self-insert character of the writer writing a character who is a writer writing the film. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a massive stretch to go, oh, he's an Irish no. dude. That's self-insert. Yeah. That whole idea of grappling with like, oh, well, it's this fucking movie. It's about psychopaths. It's got to end in a gunfight. And it's like, oh, how do we, how can we not just end it with this bloodshed? How can we end it with something that's a bit more, you know, thoughtful or reassuring about the world or this or that? Mm. And not necessarily having an answer to that, but to at least go through the motions of trying to grapple with that conflict yeah. I find interesting and engaging to watch. And, it, you know, it's thought-provoking in me, even though, again, that was part of the, the reason why I was daunted to do this movie because I was like, fuck, I, I feel like it's trying to say something, but mm. I, don't, I don't know what it's trying to say. Yeah, and it, sure. it, 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 it spoke to me, but I don't know how it spoke to me. And I yeah, don't okay. think that's like how you would normally say like, oh, this movie doesn't know what it's trying to say in terms of just like it's shit because it doesn't, have a good point yeah. like yeah say the doom movie when you throw mm. in like the morality ideas at the end of doom you're like why yeah. the fuck was that there what's it trying to yeah, say yeah, about yeah. you know yes. yeah we're either going to turn into superhumans or monsters like yeah that's yeah. really at odds and you can go no that's <laughs> fucking lazy and shit here i feel like there's enough goodwill and some some of it might be a stretch for some audience members and other audience members may be more open to it but i feel like there is enough crumbs there to be thinking sure. about that while there being a bunch of gags and, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think I think um, if you look at Martin McDonough's other writing and listen to him talk just as a as a person, I think even if he doesn't really know what he's trying to say with something like this, or it is just a, a, an opportunity to make something really stylish and and cinematic in a way that he hadn't been able to up to this point, he can't help but have some kind of uh, like a scene or something feel as though it means something more yeah. because he's a thoughtful dude. I think that kind of, yeah, that reminds me a bit as well of, I think, did you talk about it on the blind spot when uh, you went along to that thing that was in Melbourne where it was like, you the show your material stuff. Yes. Yeah. That kind of reminds me that maybe this is that kind of same thing of, it's a very unrefined concept that he's like 
I'm just going to go with this because it's more of a feeling than a logical reason behind certain mm. things. Then I'm going to show it to people. And then some people are like, oh, yeah, I really like this because I, I got that. And you're like, oh, cool. They kind of got it even though it wasn't. Yeah, as, yeah. Like, yeah, tangibly there, as you would say in, in some yes. other films. Yeah, I, I, I feel like um, I didn't get, I don't get much out of this movie in the way that I do out of Imbruge and out of uh, his other films. But if someone else gets something out of this, I'm not going to be like, you're an idiot that's not there or like you're you're <laughs> yeah, reaching yeah, yeah. like I think there's certain stuff like if someone if someone was like you know I really got a lot out of out of doom out of the fucking doom movie <laughs> I'd be like you are on something and I want it but you need to know that you're on something uh whereas this I would I would yeah I I I don't I'm glad that you uh feel like something resonated with you I think maybe if I hadn't watched this um if I'd watched this before rewatching In Bruges, before going and seeing Banshees, maybe I would have felt different. I'm not sure I would have because, again, I didn't come back to this movie. Uh, like, I've come back to In Bruges twice in a year. I haven't come back to this movie since I saw it in 2012. So uh, yeah. I think, at least for my tastes, there there is something lacking here mm. in terms of something that'll keep me coming back and watching. You know, the, I watch those other movies. There's, there's, again, something comforting about those movies. This is This is just fun. And I kind of have enough fun movies. I, don't really have fun movies. <laughs> I would prefer um, that this really great, you know, screenwriter and director doesn't make this kind of movie because there's somebody else making this kind. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> Holy fuck! What the hell happened? Some punks jumped us. Said they were looking for a little shih tzu, then some other punk killed those punks. I've only been gone ten fucking minutes. Marty, are you okay? You look <sighs> fucked. I just didn't need this. It's okay. It's that blood. It's his puke. You want to go to the bathroom, clean some of the blood and the puke off you? Anyway, we've, we've done a lot of talking about, like, what this movie uh, isn't <laughs> and danced around what it is. I'll tell you what this does have. Go. Sam Rockwell. Sam fucking Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is, is the perfect person to play a fucking awful psychopath because he, he is just so fucking charismatic. Yeah, yeah, You can't yeah. help In, but fucking love him even when he's being a cunt. You're like, yeah. I, I still love you for it, though. Well, you're like, you so don't think you're being a cunt right now. <laughs> like, it's he really is a psychopath. And, like, but, it, but in that way that, like, I don't know, we've all got a friend who's like, where you go, do you hear yourself talk? You know? <laughs> he, he's, he's like Kramer. Turned up to eleven, you know. Yeah, yeah. And but at the same time, he's going like, "No, it's not about how I talk. Don't you see all of these bullshit like lies that you're telling yourself in your life, and I'm just calling you out for them?" And yeah, 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 yeah. You you can't see them. Yeah, he is consistently really, really fucking fun, uh, really entertaining. Even even when he makes like frustrating decision after frustrating decision, like you know, blowing up the car, yeah, and setting everything up. That that whole sequence of him describing like the gunfight oh, and God. like so much, it's almost like he looks down at the script to double check that there's that he hasn't missed out on a gun sound effect. <laughs> like adds like a final like. <laughs> that is just so, yeah, good. so joyous that that dream sequence. Mm -hmm. In that way that he's like he figures everything out from out of every fucking grave first the seven psychopaths a gun in every hand <laughs> flamethrower who the fuck is that. 
the Viet Cong guy. He was hiding up a tree. He's <laughs> <laughs> flamethrower. He's another really good example of like uh, a little bit how we touched on in Dumb and Dumber, where it's like he's so awful that he can say awful and fucked up things. Yes, and we know yeah. that it's like, yeah. And he's talking about the Vietnamese guy throwing ninja stars and doing karate chops. Yeah. <laughs> but we understand. Uh, and the other I people fucking... also understand how, like, fucking wrong he is for that. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love those little, uh, like, it made me think of the Cohen straight away with those little non-verbal moments, like where uh, talking to Colin Farrell about his script and he's like, oh, I've got this one, you know, this one psychopath so far. He's a Buddhist psychopath. And Sam Rockwell's like, okay, well, what if once some maybe he karate chops someone, and then Colin just like kind of like looks at him, and then he like changes the subject immediately. Very fucking yeah, funny. Just yeah, like, that whole- there's no point in yeah, trying yeah. to correct or yeah debate this. It's just like fucking nah, whatever. God, when he's when he's telling the the story um in the about the you know the final shootout, he's like, You, you're there, and you're just there to reserve, and that's all right. Nobody thinks you're yeah, pussy. Then look who riding. comes out like a fucking idiot. He's shitting on his girlfriend still. <laughs> <laughs> like, you screw around, Kai, stay back. Oh god, it's so funny. Yeah, that whole that whole bit is great. Uh it's uh it's just so like pure childlike glee in how much fun he's having that like he's just standing there like describing this to his friends and we're getting to see the manifestation of how absurd it is in this fantasy yeah, yeah. and it's so wonderful and he's he's a fucked up psychopath but he's like wants to be a good friend <laughs> to him still like he's still yeah. like oh yeah but Marty said he wanted to like abstain oh, I- from the violence so he's like that's okay yeah. You, you, this is how you can still be there and you can still play a part. Like, I don't want to, like, fuck up your your idea. I do love that um, that uh, bit where he's reading the diary uh, and there's, like, all these entries where he's like, don't be so mean to Kai. She might be a fucking cunt, but maybe that's not her fault and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like, yeah, when you get that insight into what his diary entries are, when you finally realise that he's, like, a pure, full-blown psychopath, the the total unmasked persona is still like Marty. Do everything to keep his mind on track about the seven psychopaths. He's the best writer of his generation, but he needs to stay focused. He still cares for that person, even though the entire thing is this one big fucked up event spurred on by him to give him uh, inspiration to write his film. Yeah, yeah. Like, I... I like, again, that sort of nonverbal moment of when he's apologizing in the car and he's like, that's oh, okay. You you couldn't have known that that dog was from that mobster's, <laughs> belonged to that mobster. And then he just, a beat just goes by and he's just like, oh my God, you fucking knew, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, that wasn't an accident. No, you, that was pure and deliberate and calculated. Yeah. And he's fucking the mobster's girlfriend as well. Oh God, I love the, where he's like, Speaking of the, uh, you mentioned like he could say awful shit, and like we 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 still laugh that whole bit where he's holding the flare gun to the dog's head. He's like, "I'm gonna <laughs> blow your gay dog's gay little head off." And he's like, his, "His head's not gay; it's a normal head." <laughs> that whole exchange is so fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, we haven't talked about Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken's oh, in this fucking movie. He's really good. 
He is very good. Uh, he feels like, you know how sometimes Christopher Walken feels like he's in a movie to play Christopher Walken in a movie? Yeah. Like he falls into self-parody territory a little bit? Yeah. I, I feel like here he's he's given enough to work with that's like, you know, emotive and Yeah, that doesn't quite fall into that. No, no, but he still gets some really fucking good reads. Like there's a, a couple of lines where it's like, that's Christopher Walken delivery. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, it, yeah. It, and it, 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 it's used sparingly enough to be really effective and feel like a unique to that character and not just, you know, oh, we've got Christopher Walken in this movie. Yes. That whole thing of when he goes up, when he, he walks off to the, the kind of like national park town center thing. Yeah. That this was like the one part of the movie that I like specifically remembered from mm. the first time watching it and everything else was so I, just I, like lost in my memories. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten until it started happening and then the line happens and I laughed and I was like, oh, this is the thing that... Uh, so when I watched it, it was with friends, mm. took it over to our mate uh, Guy's place, watched it with him and a couple of other mates and this was the bit that just made us all laugh in a way that was like, what the fuck? Like I've never... <laughs> Like that, like it caught us so off guard. It was uh, like the delivery and how it plays out. It couldn't have seen it coming. You know how some jokes you're like, and set up and boom, punchline. Yay, great. Yeah. Everybody clap. Even if it's good, like you can kind of see it coming. You know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're in store for a joke and you kind of know how it's going to play out. But when, when Christopher Walken gets to the park and the guy's like, Put your hands up. No. What? I said no. Why not? I don't want to. But I've got a gun. I don't care. Doesn't make any sense. Too bad. Like, it's not defiant or, like, heroic or anything. It's this really nothing exchange. And it's so fucking funny for us. And he's just like, it doesn't make any sense. He's just like, too bad. (laughs) Yeah. Too bad. bad. (laughs) Yeah, it is. There's such... the, The delivery of, like, every one of those is so Christopher Walken, but it doesn't... Yeah. It feels true to that character that that character really is tired and doesn't isn't intimidated by someone pointing a gun at them. Yeah, 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 and not in like this. Uh, again, it's it's not in the kind of cliched way of like, oh, he's a badass old man with nothing yeah, left. No, to lose. he's not. He's not John Wick. No, yeah. Again, like it, it it is this heightened dialogue of this really funny scene happening, but it's mm. funny and heightened in a way that is in contrast to like movie rules of just like everybody gets a gun pointed at them and that's just what they do. They just put their hands up and yeah, what happens yeah, yeah. if some person just goes, no, I'm not going to follow your rules. Like, fuck that. I don't, mm. it's really good. Uh, I, yeah, I really like Christopher Walken's whole performance in this. I think that if he did feel just like he was being Christopher Walken, then it wouldn't be able to sell the, like the dark and scary parts of him Mm. as much like uh how fucking tragic it is when his wife gets killed oh oh god yeah and he's so switched on that he hears them talking in the hallway so he just keeps walking Mm -hmm. because they don't like they're not looking for him or whatever they don't recognize him then when he goes back down into the waiting room and like mm. sits across from him and just stares at him. And then he's like, oh, I like that. What's that? That cravat. And he's like, no, take it, take it. And he like is taking it off to give it to him to show him the scar on his neck. Yeah. In this really fucking like sadistic way that is so it's it's interesting because you can tell that he's incredibly saddened and moved by the death of his wife. But he's mm. also has this crazy level of self-control. Mm. 
that's, you know, like an internalized rage that's not mm. gonna, he's not exploding in either direction. He's not exploding into ridiculous vulnerability of sadness, but he's also not yeah. exploding into this like spiteful, vengeance, vengeful, like, fuck you, I'm gonna fucking do all of this shit. It's just this yeah, like yeah. fucking stone cold, mm. scary, scary look. And then as well, when we, the the great way that it is unfolded, the the story of the uh, yeah the the Quaker psychopath the, the Quaker psychopath story, where when we first see it, Marty sitting down and writing, and we go, oh wow, this is good shit. Like yeah, no wonder mm. he's like a really famous writer because when we see that that style of the dream sequence, sort of or like that's like hyper cinematic. Mm. this really dramatic scene you go oh whoa that's really fucked up and dark but like i kind of get that mm. and then when we find out that S- sam rockwell's character is just like dude you're so f- you're so much of a fucking alcoholic you forgot that i told you that story and then yeah. he starts blabbing it to hans yeah and then yeah. sam rockwell, rockwell comes back and he's like no 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> i told you uh and he's like afraid that he told Hans' story to somebody else when he shouldn't have. And Hans takes the 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 cravat off and and then just the like back in that hospital waiting room to Woody Harrelson, him taking that cravat off being the reveal of like, oh fuck, he's got a slit throat like yeah. the dude from the story. But wait, how the fuck could that dude from the story be mm. be real? What? Yeah, and yeah. then, like, then as things unfold, we go, "Oh, right, it was a true story, and he got told it in this way." And but the way that mm. we see it unfold is perfect, so that we're withheld all of that stuff, so that it gives us like the maximum effect of surprise each time another like little clue comes up from the origin of that story. Yeah, yeah, and I will say, like, knowing that uh, twist and stuff, it is. Um, fun to well, knowing all of the the kind of twists in this movie, uh, it doesn't have the the game thing where knowing where the movie goes makes everything up to that point feel a little bit silly. Mm. Upon rewatching here, it's like you are watching those characters still act like themselves, but you have more context for them. Mm. So you're seeing like you can read into uh, Christopher Walken's character, you can read into Hans uh, a little bit more before in the moments before it's been revealed to the audience that he is this guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, the way that, that he and his wife interact, the the fact that he doesn't want to get a job. He's like, and I'm, I'm an old man. And also, like, they, he's, you know, suffered enough. It's enough already. I, just, I don't want to fucking do this, that, or the other. You you kind of get it You when he says, like, you know, uh, no cops, we're not getting any cops involved. You understand why? Mm, uh, mm. Because he, you know, clearly has has not had the best of experiences. Yeah, yeah. And that interaction and when he, he like, takes the, the scarf off to show, you know, the scar, it's almost a threat of sorts. Like, yeah, if you know, if if you're watching it for the second time and you know who he is, you're watching it going, oh, like, he's showing this guy, look what I'm capable. Like, look, it's it's the it's exactly what um uh, I think I mentioned to you about, it was on the blind spot, we were talking about Hellraiser. And on the poster art for the original Hellraiser, it's just got Pinhead, like, looking, you know, at the, at the viewer, yes. out, out of the box at the viewer. And Doug Bradley said in interviews that the reason that works and that's so affecting is because it's as though he's looking at you going with the pins in the nails in his head going, look at what I did to myself. And now imagine what I could do to you. And that's yeah. that's what this yeah. the showing the neck is in this. Uh-huh. Yeah, 100%. And one winter night, 
while recalling a Catholic tract he'd read which stated that the only people guaranteed a place in hell were not murderers, were not rapists, but were those who had died by their own hand. The killer accepted such an idea as beautiful, for he knew that at least in hell, the Quaker would not be there. So he cut his own throat open. And the last thing that the killer ever saw was the old man take out a cutthroat razor of his own, put it to his throat, and slice. And same with Sam Rockwell's character, knowing that he is, you know, the, the Jack of Diamonds and stuff, uh, you can see how he's kind of managing to just be, you know, at the right place at the right time as the Jack of Diamonds this whole time, you know? Yeah, and it makes a lot more sense when they're having that drink lunch they're out of their cafe and he's telling mm. him like oh this idea of a psychopath like, <laughs> yeah. only goes after killing members of the mafia yeah, to high ranking members yeah. of the, the, <laughs> the mob and he's yeah he's like feeding him these ideas that he's like come up with himself of like yeah i could be a serial killer that only whacks people from the mob <laughs> like that yeah. would that would be interesting for marty <laughs> so i'm gonna do it and then tell him about it as i like read it in the paper yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was funny watching it this time because I didn't really remember that much about the plot that a lot of stuff still kind of surprised me in the way of, like you said, where the scene starts and then you go, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that until right now. Yeah. Like this deja vu sort of watching experience, like almost scene for scene. Uh, so I didn't quite get as much that experience of being able to, like, read into those guys doing stuff before it happened, except for, mm. I'd say, the, the Quaker story. When you see mm. the Quaker story, then I was like, oh, that's right, and Hans is actually that dude in real life. He's got that scar mm. as well, and I remembered that for mm. things to come. But yeah, most yeah. other stuff, I was just like, yeah, completely forgetting it. Um, one of the other uh, psychopaths, Tom White Zachariah. I- that, that's, he's, a, he's a musician. Mm, okay. I, I've seen yeah. him in other movies as well. Oh, okay, cool. This isn't the first thing I've seen him in. I completely forgot that they killed the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's quite funny. That's very funny. That whole sequence is is really good. Mm. It's funny as well how, speaking of those sequences, the level of gore, there is uh, such a, a distinct difference in the gore in this film when it is for that, like, gross, dark, scary effect mm. of the story of the Quaker slitting his own throat or them, like, oh, with the hacksaw, like, at the oh. guy's neck. Yeah, yeah. It's so gross. And it's still, like, over the top and really bloody and stuff, but it's just really gross and, like, stomach-turning. But then mm. when... <laughs> then when we get to the shootout <laughs> yeah and it's like squibs and exploding yeah heads. It's exploding heads and it's just so much fun and that level of like disgust isn't there because it has to have that childlike glee and joy of, yeah. of sam rockwell <laughs> like Definitely. getting the getting the arrow through the neck and that like not being enough so you're like no nah, fuck it let's blow his head up yeah <laughs> woody harrelson plays a really fucking fantastic uh villain in this yeah uh, he, he, I mean, in a movie of very, you know, flawed, vaguely unpalatable characters for the most part, 
in 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 ways that I think work and feel believable and yeah uh, are endearing uh, as as far as I'm concerned. Um, he manages to be just disgusting, like grotesque, really <laughs> nasty, and in a way that's like kind of he's he, it's it's gleefully so. Yes, his yeah, commitment it's not to being joyful. Yeah, com, 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 his commitment to being fucking horrible is uh, is very fun. But there isn't that level of humanity or empathy that you can still kind of attach to, even though he's a terrible person. Not in the yeah, not in the way that um. Uh, I, like, I guess I'm not a dog person, so I guess like well, dog okay. So this is this is the would, thing. Yeah, maybe would. dog parents would would sympathise with him. I think um, it's not like uh, Ray Fine's character in In Bruges, where he's um, you know he's horrible, but he is a family guy. He's a family man. Excuse me, family guy. <laughs> so he's got a family, and he has uh, he's principled, you know. And you can hmm. go, all right, that's that's admirable. In this, the only, the only, the, like his only redeeming quality, Woody Harrelson's only redeeming quality is that he he loves his dog, yeah, and his yeah. dog is very cute, <laughs> and to the point where like when you see him like sad and upset about the dog potentially getting its head blown off with a with a flare, I do find myself <laughs> going, oh, with Woody, don't kill the dog. <laughs> like I kind of like. I don't know. It's a really fucking good performance where, like, in that moment where he's, like, counting down from five and he gets to th- to two or whatever. Oh, yes. And he's like, you know, go back to five. He's like, I'm not going back to five, man. I'm not going back to five. And he kind of looks at him. He's like, five. Like, that look, you kind of, you see the little boy who loves his dog in that man, in that awful, awful man. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun. It's very, very silly and very fun. So something to... uh uh End on. You mentioned being glad that we pushed this recording back a couple of days because it gave you time to think. Uh, it gave me time to listen to some interviews. And again, in that Team Deacons episode, Martin McDonough talks about Seven Psychopaths very briefly. So Deacons mentions, uh, you know, you you managed to do a really good job of, of finding a really delicate balance between all these different elements, the the kind of tragedy stuff, the comedy stuff, and the the violence he says, like, how do you draw that balance between all of those things and how far you can take it, in particular the violence, how far you can take it? And he says, like, I'm thinking of Seven Psychopaths. And Martin responds, oh, I think I pushed it too far in that one, to be honest. <laughs> and he says, like, I, I hate to be uh, hating on my own films, but I don't think I stuck the landing with that one. I, I feel like it's kind of lacking a bit of the nuance and sadness and humanity that his other films have. So... I felt so vindicated Absolutely, hearing that because I was like, 100%. I was like, I feel like there's something missing in this movie. Like, why do I not resonate with this? Is this, am I just, is it too clever for me? Is it trying to say something that's going over my head? I feel like it's lacking the sadness and the humanity in this in and the these nuance. other movies. And then you find this quote from the writer director, word for yeah. word. You're like, yes, I am the smartest film critic alive. Yes. <laughs> Correct opinions only. Let's go. I know we don't usually shout out other podcasts, but if you'd like to hear more of my correct opinions uh, from the horse's mouth, as it were, uh, that new Team Deacons uh, episode with Martin McDonough is very, very fucking enjoyable. Sorry, I think uh, I'll allow a, it. A fascinating since, you know, dude. Since it's fucking you know, Roger Deacons. Yeah, yeah, I think we can, you know, we can help out. <laughs> fucking Rog. pleb cunts being like, hey, give this, give this Roger Deacons guy a listen, man. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, no, so. No, he has to give us a shout out. No, no, that's how that works. <laughs> that's how it works. Like for like, Roger. Like for yeah. like. Follow for follow. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, so this is by no means a, a bad film. There's heaps to dig into in terms of just fun, fun dialogue, quirky characters, some really great set pieces. Uh, but overall, lacking a bit of the the those those things that we talked about for for my tastes. Yeah, I'm glad that you were able to like it, it resonated with you on some level. Mm. Maybe if I, I'll take a little bit of a step back from this and and, and his other movies, give myself a little bit of a, a, a give myself a, a tolerance break, you know, and and come back to it. Maybe start with this one again yeah. and see if I feel Probably. the same way. Um, but it was fun to fun to come back to and fun to compare to his other stuff and fun to talk about with you. Yeah, it was an interesting one to tackle. It was fun. Yeah, I um, yeah, I had a good time with it. I'm glad I enjoyed it. I can totally see uh, that other side of maybe that it's lacking from his other work. But I I always like to keep that opinion as well of it's it comes into part of that like death of the author stuff of separating the art from the artist and stuff is that don't let a director go oh i was like disappointed with this movie yeah not yeah, let no, you no, find enjoyment of this movie within yeah. reason again you know if you're sitting there like i was a couple of weeks ago saying no nah, i like the doom movie even if that director didn't like it and it was shit like yeah. you know within reason find enjoyment <laughs> in a movie even if uh, the director themselves, writer and director themselves, feel like they missed the mark on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, if 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 something in it resonated with you, it's like that's special. That's what's cool yeah. about art is once you put it out there into the world, it's kind of no longer yours yeah, to some yeah. degree. Um, and people are able to read into and get take from whatever whatever they want. Yeah, in that same way that sometimes a movie can have a very direct message and you go, no, it's clearly this, or then sometimes it can be a little bit more open and you can let people enjoy that. And if you do put out into the world, I wrote this and this is what it means, then you're kind of depriving people of being able to gain something from it. Sometimes yeah. those comments of a director going like, oh, I wasn't satisfied with this will deprive people seem, seeming to be allowed to enjoy the movie with sometimes people's, you know, online criticism will be like, well, the director said it was shit anyway. When it's like, yeah, no, yeah. like directors, when they're talking about their own movies, like a lot of people who like make films don't watch the movies themselves. Like they're not talking yeah, about it yeah. as an audience member or what they got from it. It's like they have certain things that they, you know, yeah, are holding yeah. themselves to that's a total personal yeah, thing yeah. that doesn't and necessarily it's... come across in the film unless- you are that person. Yeah. If you didn't and know that that director was going for a this and that they yeah. didn't quite meet, hit, hit the mark on that, yeah, it wouldn't matter if you weren't told because the movie's good sort of thing. Exactly, like, exactly. And a, and a director might distance themselves from a work just because of uh, the 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 process of making that thing was far too painful or it came from it was made at a, a period of their life where they're like, nah, I don't want to fucking relive that. Yeah, we were t- just you know? talking about the game, but a one that is much more dearer to my heart from David Fincher that he is, I think sort of detached himself from even more so than the game is yeah. his first film, Alien 3. Yeah, of course. Which I yeah. huge fondness for that movie. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I'm always like, no, no, I don't care if David Fincher said like, oh, that wasn't a good movie. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's not good by your perfectionist standards of what a David yeah, Fincher yeah. movie is. Yeah. But for a first-time fucking director, like, making a sequel to fucking James Cameron and Ridley Scott's, like, you know, widely and highly critically regarded movies, yeah, it's pretty fucking good effort, I'd say. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, fucking yeah. Stop, stop going so hard on yourself, mate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, sharing the podcast around is incredibly helpful. 
That word of mouth is great. And if you'd like to help us out monetarily, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash rose tinted review, where you can get access to a bunch of bonus content, uh, bonus shows, stuff we've we've mentioned on this very podcast, the blind spot, yeah, monthly catch up podcast. We talk about a bunch of shit on that. Uh, it's it's all it's all worth your worth your, your time and money. So if I do say so myself, <laughs> <laughs> you can find links to our socials in the episode description. You can hit us up on any of those and tell us uh, which was your favorite psychopath. That's what I was going to go with as well. You read my write your own mind. psychopath. What's your psychopath? Yeah. How do you envisage the Vietnamese character? Yeah. How would you fi- how would you end that being story? <laughs> oh, just like before we fucking sign out. Talking about dialogue that's, you know, not right is the fucking, at the very end of that tape, the, like, the heartfelt Buddhist protest, (laughs) and it's just undercut with him going. (laughs) Not just fags. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, one one more if we're talking favourite unpalatable line reads. After Colin Farrell says, like, you know, it's called Seven Psychopaths, but he doesn't want it to be violent, da-da-da-da-da, after he's told the the Vietnamese uh, psychopath story for the first time where he doesn't know what to do with it, uh, and Sam Rockwell's like, well, hey, you know what? No no idea. How about we call it, change the title to the, se- the uh, from the Seven Psychopaths to the Seven Lesbians who are all disabled and they've overcome all this spazzy shit and two of them are black. <laughs> <laughs> and a really, really nice to everybody. Two of them are black. <laughs> that, that, that fucking floored me. It's so fucking funny. Oh, God. Anyway. And <laughs> just the, the the cut to Colin Farrell's reaction. <laughs> he's patting the shit, so he's wearing a goofy hat. It's just perfection. It's just fucking perfection. Anyway, how do you follow? How do you follow that perfection, Michael? Next week, I want to. Uh, we've sp- we've talked about the blind spot too many times on this episode, but we've talked about this director on the blind spot multiple times, but we haven't hit them up for the real for the main primary podcast yet. And he is one of my favorite directors of all time. So oh. I thought let's uh, let's get a little bit of Guillermo del Toro in the house. Cool, Blade Two. Oh, awesome! I've had this one. <laughs> I've had this one listed for a while too. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm keen. All right, fantastic. All right, well, join us next week where we'll find out whether or not our hindsight truly is 2020, or if we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. But I think that's the best we're going to get. And you know, <clears throat> I know you said. Dream sequences are for fags, but I think it could work, don't you? We all got a dream, don't we? Not just fags. Oh, by the way, I don't think they like being called fags anymore. I think nowadays they prefer homos. <laughs> <laughs>